You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Friday, March 26th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. I'd like to begin today's show with a special shout-out to subscribers to this podcast. And if you would like to join that group, it's very simple. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast venue and click the subscribe button, and we will deliver new episodes to your device each morning as they are posted. As this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets, we have new episodes Monday through Friday each day through most of the year. Today, much of the attention will be on Zach Wilson. The BYU quarterback is considered a top contender for the Jets with the second overall pick in the NFL draft, which will be coming up in a few weeks. He has his pro day today. Now, how important is the pro day for the evaluation process? Really, it's difficult to say, but his pro day certainly will generate a fair share of attention on this Friday. It was a quiet Thursday in free agency for the New York Jets. Is this a sign things are finally beginning to wind down? Quite possibly. You could look at the total amount of cap space the Jets have, but you have to remember that some of that has to be set aside for signing draft picks. Some of it has to be set aside for building a practice squad. In the offseason, only the top 51 salaries on your team count against the cap. Once you get into the regular season, you have 53 players, so you have to add in two more salaries when you factor in effective cap space. And you also want to have a little bit of money left over because inevitably players are going to get hurt during the season and you're going to have to sign replacement players who are free agents at the time. So cap space is getting a little bit low for the Jets. We're close to the completion of free agency. I'm sure we'll see maybe another signing or two or three in the days, weeks, months ahead. And some of these moves may be for guys who could help the Jets out filling a role But I think we're close enough to the end of free agency that we can really begin to evaluate what the Jets did. And on today's show, what I'd like to do is offer some preliminary thoughts, things that I liked, maybe some question marks that still exist for the team, areas where maybe they did not do enough. That's going to be the focus today. And we're going to begin with the things that I like about free agency for the Jets in the year 2021. And... Overall, I'm pretty pleased with what I've seen, and I think it is fitting to say that the first thing I liked about the Jets' approach to free agency this year is that it was a signal that the era of spending recklessly is over, and this was one of my great frustrations with the previous general manager. The Jets were always a team that was considered one of the quote-unquote winners of free agency when analysts studied what happened in March, but then by the time the season came along, those free agent signings did not look so good. By the end of the year, nobody was considering the Jets a winner in free agency, and to receive the winner of free agency title from the media, essentially what you do is you sign the biggest name, most expensive players, and It's just not a formula for winning in the NFL. I have spoken extensively about this on this show, about how in the NFL, 
the genuine difference makers, the superstar franchise level change, franchise changing level talents never make it to free agency because you have the franchise tag to prevent them from hitting the open market. So they typically either sign an extension early or they get traded. So that way you can at least get something in return for the player. That leaves guys who are good but not great to hit the open market. You, know, you, you, get, you get the good guys who want to be paid like they're the franchise-level players. And they get paid like the franchise-level players. They don't give you a franchise-level impact, however. Free agency can be a very valuable resource for a rebuild like the Jets are going on. Because you can, if you're smart about things, you can find quality players who fill roles for you. But you have to understand what free agency is there for. In other leagues, in other sports, free agency can help you land a superstar level player. They can help it can help you land the guy that changes your franchise. It just doesn't work in the NFL, and that's something I don't think the Jets have really understood. There's an expression build through the draft. It's a cliche at this point. Every general manager when he speaks to the press tells you that his team's gonna build through the draft. And very few do. Building through the draft does not mean that you sit out free agency entirely, at least necessarily. I mean, there are some teams that are really good that don't participate in free agency at all. They, they, but to do that, you have to really draft well. Ultimately, building through the draft, I, to me, means that that's where you get your genuine difference makers, your Quinn, and, your, your Quinn and Williams type players, the guys who are going to be your foundation going forward. And I think too often in the past, the Jets have looked at free agency as a substitute for the draft. They looked to free agency in order to land guys that they thought were franchise-level players. And that was the thing. You know, one of the things I never understood with the former GM is that he was a guy who came from a draft background. He was the director of college scouting at his previous team. And yet the Jets never made a concerted effort to add extra draft picks to you know, really focus on making sure they had the resources in the draft that they could effectively use it as a tool to build. And inst instead, to me, it felt like they were always trying to build through free agency. What free agency is for is, you know, filling holes that you have, trying to find quality players on deals that are relatively fair value. And even when the Jets participated in the early stages of free agency this year, there were two big signings. It was Corey Davis from the Titans and Carl Lawson from the Bengals. These were not outrageous contracts, especially Davis. Davis is not even receiving a top 20 annual salary at the wide receiver position, which is actually pretty much in line with the player he is. He's a guy who, you know, if you were ranking the wide receivers in the NFL, I don't think you'd put him in the top 20, but I think... You, know, you you rate him as a receiver who's above average. And Carl Lawson, who seems like an ascending player, who, you know, I mean, the Lawson deal was a little bit of a projection, but a guy who's a, who's a I, I've always felt like is an underrated player, a guy who people don't appreciate what he brings to the table. And the other thing I like about this, and this is my second, the second thing that I like about the Jets' approach to free agency Generally speaking, they were not going after older players. They're going after guys in their mid-20s, guys who still have some productive years in front of them. And to the extent they went after older players like Vinnie Curry or Tevin Coleman, these are guys who are just going to be kind of 
rotational players, guys who are not going to see a ton of snaps, guys you're counting on to produce over a small sample size of snaps. But if you look at the guys the Jets signed, really, the, the key parts of their free agency this year, Davis, Lawson, you could throw in Jared Davis, maybe you throw in Sheldon Rankins. These are guys who are coming off their first contracts. And this, was, this has been another issue with the Jets in free agency in the past, is a lot of their premium players that they've signed have been older players, guys closer to the end of their career than their than the beginning. You know, you go back to 2015 Darrell Revis, which, in all honesty, was a calculated gamble that I really liked at the time, but there was clear risk with Revis because of his age. Uh, True Maine Johnson was not in his 30s at the time the Jets signed him, but at an age and at a position where decline can happen quickly and was coming off a year where it looked like he may have been in decline. His last year with the Rams was not very good. Le'Veon Bell, again, was not in his 30s, but had a heavy workload at a position where a heavy workload can lead to an early decline. The Jets got players who are either entering their prime or in their prime, or at least should be in theory, and should have a number of productive years in front of them. And I think that that's a much better approach than what the Jets have had in the past. I think that might be something that maybe I haven't focused on enough is the age of these guys is younger. And when you sign younger players, that means that they have hopefully more productive years in front of them. You sign older players, you may be paying for their past production while their future production is not going to be very good. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but college basketball has the Sweet 16 this weekend, and the NBA and NHL are in full swing. And Bet Online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On. It's one word with no space. L O C K E D O N. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Friday, talking about free agency for the Jets in the year 2021. And I'm offering some likes and dislikes about what the Jets did during free agency and I know there still might be a couple more signings but we're close to the finish I think if you look at the players out there if you look at the cap space available there may be another signing or two or three but we're, we're close to the finish but the next thing that I like is that the Jets actually targeted premium positions in the early part of free agency and again this is a departure from what we've seen in the past I like the fact that the on the first day, they were spending at wide receiver, and they were spending at edge rusher. To the extent that they were spending big dollars on players, that's where they were focused. Because, you know, you look back at past off-seasons, and the Jets, it's been difficult to understand why they made some of the moves that they made. And, you know, a great example of that would be C.J. Mosley when they signed him two years ago. Now, C.J. Mosley, in Baltimore when they signed him, was a very good player. And I would be lying to you if I knew that he would play two games in his first two seasons with the Jets. I, I thought he would be a good player for the Jets, but my, my issue with that signing was that he got so much money. It was it was the Jets giving him money to be like a franchise-changing player. And if you looked at the way the Jets roster was constructed at that time, I don't know how you could look at that 
team and say that what C.J. Mosley, C.J. Mosley's role was the prominent role that needed to be filled. That's where you spend the most money possible. That's where that's where you really want to establish yourself. The Jets did not need a guy like C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley was kind of a luxury signing two years ago. They already had guys who could do what C.J. Mosley did. And they were paying a premium to get him. It just never made a lot of sense to me. Whereas this year, when they spent premium dollars, and they did not go, I don't think they went overboard on any contract, but when they spent premium dollars, it was at, first of all, positions of need. Wide receiver was a big need. Edge rusher was a big need. Edge rusher has been a big need for over a decade for the Jets. But beyond that, these are really important positions. These are positions that can help win you or lose you games. You know, it's not like, and I, I don't want to say like you want to be bad at linebacker, but for the most part, linebacker doesn't win you or, or lose you games in today's NFL. Pass rushers like edge rushers do. Wide receivers do. So I like that focus. But I also like to see that there's a plan. It seems like there's, there's a distinct plan for building this team, especially this defense by the way the Jets have invested in the defensive line, because not only did they get Lawson, they also brought in Sheldon Rankins on a very affordable deal. Some of the contract details came out yesterday, and if Rankins turns out to regain the form that he displayed pre-injury with the Saints, that contract's going to look like a steal for the Jets. I did not think it was a bad contract to begin with, but... The deal is structured in a way that was more favorable than we first thought when it was reported. And beyond Rankins, they went out and got Vinnie Curry. So they got starters, they got depth players. They focused on building the defensive line because that's the premium spot in Robert Sala's defense. So you see that they, the front office and the coaching staff seem to be on the same page. It seems like there's, there's a plan in place that is being executed and... We know that that has not been the case with the Jets in the past, and this has been a situation that that has been an issue for multiple head coaches, multiple general managers. I mean, Gase and McCagnan worked so poorly together together that McCagnan was fired before Gase even coached a game with the team. Gase drove him out by that point. But even beyond that, you never got the feeling McCagnan and Bowles were on the same page. I mean, remember when... The Jets traded for Richard Robinson, and Bowles was in the middle of, of a press conference and had no idea that, that the Jets had made the trade. He, he, I mean, there were, there were so many times where, with McCagnan and Bowles, and you know, they, they never said it publicly, but you could tell there was a disconnect where McCagnan was exerting premium resources to acquire some player, and Bowles never had any, any intention of playing him. And, of course, you, go, you could go back before that to Rex and Idzik, where the, those two clearly were not on the same page. It seems like there's a clear plan here, and the way the Jets have focused on spending on the, the defensive line kind of displays that. We've been telling you for a while now about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. And now it's time to find out which Built Bar is best. It's Built Bar Madness. You may be watching the college basketball tournament. Well, Built Bar has set up its own tournament with a bracket and everything to find out which Built Bar flavor is the best of them all. And to find out more about this, you can, you can go to BuiltBar.com or to Twitter at Bar underscore Built. And remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. 
and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Friday, talking about the Jets' approach to free agency in 2021. Usually, I like to end the show on a positive note. I guess today we're going to end on a little bit of a negative note because in the first two segments, I've talked about things that I like about what the Jets did in free agency. And in this segment, this final segment, I'm going to talk about things I did not love about their approach. And to be honest with you, for the most part, I have positive views on what the Jets did, but there were a couple of things that I wish they had done differently. I think that there were some positions out there they could have done a little bit better at, like tight end. I think that they could have maybe added another edge rusher. I think that there were some good deals out there to be had, and I think that there were points where maybe the Jets were focused on adding role players at fair prices, you know, guys who maybe be part-time players, maybe backups, who got reasonable contracts instead of adding another starter, got somebody with more upside at a price that wasn't that much higher, you know, another wide receiver instead of Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole's okay, but I felt like there were some other, there were some better opportunities at wide receiver, even if you pay a little bit more, could help out that group. Again, I think tight end, there were some good upside guys. I think there were some good upside edge rushers who got reasonable contracts. It seemed like the Jets, in some areas, were focused more on just finding competent backups. So that would be one area. And there there are lots of players. And listen, I understand there's always the caveat. You don't know that the guy's going to want to sign with the Jets. So you do have to consider that factor. But I felt like there were some areas where the Jets maybe for not much more money could have come away with a starting level player instead of a backup And that brings me to my major criticism to the extent I have one right now, and that's the cornerback position, because we've talked about the way the Jets have addressed some premium spots like receiver, like defensive line. But cornerback is a position that has not been addressed at all yet. And, you know, hopefully that will change. There still is time. Maybe they can get somebody today. You know, maybe by the end of the day, this this comment will be obsolete. But I think if you're looking for a primary criticism, it would be corner. You know, you could criticize, you could complain about the offensive line, but there were not many good offensive line guys out there. The guy who probably was the best fit, the most logical fit would have been Joe Tooney and the team that's been to the Super Bowl two straight years out of the AFC offered him an enormous contract. To get Joe Tooney, the Jets would have had to offer him outrageous money. And even then, I'm not sure they would have gotten him. The Chiefs, the Chiefs made Joe Tooney one of the highest paid guards in the NFL, and he has a chance to go out and play for the best offense in the league and potentially win a Super Bowl. You could argue maybe they should have gone, maybe they should have been more aggressive going after one of the centers and moving Connor McGovern to guard. But, you know, there are some question marks with a move like that. So the offensive line, to me, I can't get too crazy about that. Now, it does mean that the Jets need to address it in the draft. That's the one thing I'll say about it is that that doesn't mean that they're off the hook for addressing it this offseason. It just means that I think the focus has to be more on the draft. So I want to make that clear. I'm not just saying, oh, we'll go with the same offensive line. They're going to have to make some moves in the draft on the offensive line. But corner is a spot where nothing's happened yet. And there have been at least look, there's, there's no shutdown corner out there on the market. There was not a shutdown corner on the market this year. But Jets don't have anything at corner right now. I mean, you maybe you like Bryce Hall. I kind of like Bryce Hall. 
I don't know what you think about Bless. I mean, the Jets are actually worse at corner right now than they were at the end of the season because Brian Poole at this moment is on signs. So they actually had a really good slot corner for all the issues that are outside. They don't even have that right now. So something's got to happen at corner. So that that that's the area where I think you criticize them. And again, I don't want to get too critical because the way I view this is the Jets were never going to fix all of their problems in free agency. They were never going to fix all of their problems in one off season. To me, 2020 was kind of a situation where you had this house with a bad foundation that essentially needed, needed to be torn down. And this is the teardown period. Now, by the time the 2021 season begins, you're not going to have the full house rebuilt. Essentially, when you drive by it, you're going to see like some of the frames up. You know, it's going to look it's going to be a better situation. You're going to see this thing looking better. You're going to see progress. But the house is not going to be fully built. I, I think the hope is by 2022, you have a house that you know looks pretty good. And at some point, either 2022 or 2023, that's when you move in. That's when you feel like you have a really good house. At least that's what, what it will be if the front office does this successfully. So I don't want to go too crazy because one need was unfilled. But something's got to happen a corner here. I don't think they've done a good enough job at corner. I think for the areas where they've done a good job, corner's one where they have not done a good enough job so far. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back next week to talk more Jets.